Reggae Uprising family and welcome to another episode. Thank you for all of the love from last week's video. Don't forget to subscribe to be the first to hear fresh episodes every Wednesday. Also every Monday, make sure you check out my Reggae Uprising video uploads as I'm a conscious reggae singer and I'm currently on a journey around the world of reggae music. Now you can watch me singing Italian reggae at the moment via Facebook Daniil Music and Instagram Daniil Music and the links will also be in the description so you can check them out there too. Right, let's get into today's guest's first song, Kofi yeah. Didn't I. photographer who specializes in black and white images to document the world we live in through the form of bespoke limited edition books. As well as being the chair of the North Smethic Development Trust, the Brass House, he has also showcased many exhibitions such as The Black Victorians, Strength of a Woman, Weakness of a Man, Blood, Blood Sweat and Tears. I'm going to try and say this one. In a bubblectic vit, vit, help me out, Naman. Uh, it, it's unpronounceable, and it's meant to be unpronounceable because it takes you into the world of a dyslexic. Right. Okay. Okay. It wasn't so that's, just me then. No, that, that, that's that's. <laughs> I tried my best. I yeah, got the no, first no, one, but and like that, that's exactly <laughs> what it's meant. That's exactly what it's meant to do. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, it worked perfectly. <laughs> Let me just introduce you one second before we get into that. I would like to welcome Anthony McFarlane. Welcome, greetings, Anthony. Welcome and hi, Danielle. Welcome to you on this lovely, lovely afternoon with a bit of snow. <laughs> <laughs> Firstly, why did you choose that first selection, that first song? Because it, it takes me back to the day. You see, I, I grew up on the wrong side of town. So when everybody else was listening to reggae music, I was into rockabilly and rock and roll. Only when we, my parents moved from the one end of West Brom to the other end did I think, ooh, <laughs> lot of people here. And I kind of introduced myself to, to reggae music. And that was, we used to go to a blues on a Friday night um, in West Brom. Everybody who lived in West Brom called Pallion. And, you know, you'd go there. And apparently it was free, but me and my mate apparently were the only ones to pay five pounds at the door because the man was bigger than we were. <laughs> And he spoke in a lovely language. So, and when we went in there, that was the record that was playing. And it's always on my playlist. 
As with all of my guests here at Reggae Uprising, and we're all about connecting people of the diaspora, could you tell our audience what your heritage is? Yeah, my, my heritage, my, my dad, bless him, he's, um, was Jamaican, and my mum's from Barbados. So it, it's, it was kind of in a conflict before I arrived. Okay. <laughs> so what was the conflict between the two? Like well, well the, the, the conflict, they, they tell me, listening to them, that when my mum said, I'm marrying a Jamaican man, they said, why? Is there no one on Barbados? And he's not black, he's light. Well, why are you doing that? And then on my dad's side, it was, that's a black woman you're marrying. Why? Why? So eventually they kind of left okay. <laughs> and that's why they both ended up in England. And my mum ended up here because she was the troublesome one of the family. She'll right. tell you, she was the one that when her mum said you need to be in at 10, she was crawling through the windows at 12. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where you get it from, the troublesome thing. That's probably, where the, that's, probably where I get, that's probably where I get it from. Whereas my dad was the kind of straight up and down, you know, you're here, you know, do as they do as the Romans do, but do better. Right. <laughs> do you know? And okay. he always used to say to me, you know, it doesn't matter who you are and who you speak to, always say thank you. Yeah. Because somebody has took the time to ask you something. Doesn't, doesn't, it's not about whether you like them, just say thank you. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, and culturally, what differences, would you say there are any differences um, through the Bayesian culture and the Jamaican culture, when yeah. you were growing up, did, the, the, did they do things differently? Or the well, yeah, because I mean, I used to spend my summer holidays at my granddad's in Manchester um, with grandma, who I'd later discovered was grand girlfriend. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so, because I, I assumed my granddad had, my mum's dad had settled here with wife, you know, and that's fine. And it was only, it became apparent after a couple of years of growing up that, why are you writing to grandma there when grandma's oh okay i see i get and and my granddad was a baker so he used to bake when we were there every six weeks holidays you remember the west indies would come over to play cricket so i got to meet joel garner vivian rich because they were all sat in the house because they used to come for his um, um sweet bread cake he used to do the best sweet bread okay. so when you were young you just saw these really tall black guys really imposing lovely deep rich accent and then as you you know as I remember being sat there watching the tv thinking Joel Garner he sat that's him there that's him that's him that's him and so we used to go and spend every six weeks with my granddad in Manchester absolutely loved it oh, wow wow okay so what was it like for you growing up in the UK um my experience was a bit different to everybody else's because I mean I predominantly I live in West Brom and anybody who lives in West Brom it's kind of you know the one side there are lots of white people and the other side there are lots of black people and I grew up with a group of mates and I think on our state there were seven black families okay <laughs> and everybody else was white but and did I experience racism not really, because the people I grew up with, we just did things. We all did things. We all went camping. <laughs> we all did, you know, we all played cricket. We all went football. We were all in each other's houses. And as I've said, it didn't become apparent till you move to another end of town. Right, right. Then right. you discover that people start looking at you and 
people start mumbling names and then it becomes apparent but my childhood was pretty and the other thing was because I was into and I still am now I, I my favorite although I love reggae music I from the age of 11 I love Motown I love Northern Soul so when you go to a Northern Soul club you'll see a thousand white faces and two black people but the the the, the kicker for this is that they're dancing to black music. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely, yeah. So, but did you never feel any... Did You You didn't feel like you were treated any differently at school then? Um, um, no, I mean, we, we'd, we'd had... We used to go... That There were areas, and you'll know from probably... There are areas where you shouldn't go because, you know, people go, you know, don't want to go there because you might get chased. And I consciously spent some time running across a field to the extent where we knew the name of the horse. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. You know? and, and I always remember that we went to an area in West Brom and I remember we were in the bus stop. We'd just come from a Northern Soul night. I think it was about 13. Just come from a great Northern Stood in the bus stop. And my friend said, there's a bloke over there with the pillar on his head. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Oh, he's coming this way. Mm-mm. Then it clicked. Hence the field, horse. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so we, we'd spend lots of times. And then the other thing that... Hold on, we, hold on, hold on. How did that story end? Like, Well, what, it, what? It, it, it was back then in the 70s. We were in the bus stop and these guys came over and it was the, they, they were clan lookalike. Yeah, and yeah. they said, you know, you get out of town, you wog you black person you mm. nigger yeah. and i said you need to take the pillar off your head mate you're gonna suffocate yourself <laughs> going to, to do that really honestly honestly and mm. then more turned up and where we were there was always a field that we used to take the shortcut right. but it was also handy back in the day to if you went somewhere that you kind of knew was racist always have a plan B because okay. not having a plan B could result in injury and loss of items from your body. <laughs> so we all, and our plan B was run past Bob. That was the horse in the field. Right. Okay. <laughs> you know, Bob would be always like, oh, they're here again. <laughs> so hence, hence when more of them turned up, we ran. <laughs> oh Didn't you know? But, yeah. but to yeah. me, I'm, I'm 56 now. I look back and I smile. I probably shouldn't because it was racist. Yeah. But the thing is, how do you deal with it at that age? At that age, you don't know enough. You don't know be, any different. You don't know any different. So you, because you you'll know, you'll it know it's school. It. So all sorts of people don't like you at school. So, you know, so it was, it was interesting. It was, and, and the one that really sticks out on me was I was in a club um, dancing and really lovely Motown record. And somebody came over and slapped a sticker on my chest. And when I finished dancing, I looked at the sticker and it said, go home, nigger. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. So I went over to the lads and they went, that's not nice. So the person was suitably dealt with. And, oh, okay. and his girlfriend was suitably dealt with. Oh, and okay. his mom and dad, because it was a social... Back then, Northern Soul, there were... There were clubs you go to. There were social clubs. Mm. Um, we'd go to if you went to Wigan Casino. There was skinheads when you got off the train with notches on the stick, mm. <laughs> and the notches weren't because they were happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> do yeah. you know? So, uh, but it didn't. I think the music overrode the racism in my world okay. because the desire to go and dance 
Right. Was that Don't powerful care. and yeah. that strong yeah. that you were going anywhere? Yeah, nobody was going to stop no, you. Nobody was going to stop me. Right. And the, 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 the people I grew up with, I mean, we're still friends. I mean, you know, we're all in our 50s. I'm godparents to some of their kids. They're godparents to some of mine. And I'll leave you with this. I did, we did, I did an exhibition called Soul Heaven. And Soul Heaven was a look at Northern Soul through scooters, Vespers and Lambrettas. And I remember that um, the bass festival, Punch Records, Yeah. Um, I won the commission. Okay. And um, they gave me a shop in the custard factory mm -hmm. said you know do what you want so it's based in birmingham in yeah the UK, based yeah. in birmingham so what we did was we turned the shop into an emporium a 60s soul emporium so you'd come in there and there were the rarest of items and scooters and soul music playing and i remember um satnam ranam from bbc midlands today um came down to interview us, probably to the annoyance of Pun. She was trying to get the other stuff going. Okay. And as she was walking, um, she said, oh, you know, Anthony, love the exhibition. Who's your partner? And I turned, and as she turned, there's a skinhead with a, you know, the green jacket on, yeah. Oxblood Dr. Martins. Yeah. He looked like he'd just tell you about yourself. Okay. And she could see she couldn't quite get a head around it and then we pointed out do you know what a skinhead is because mm -hmm. most people assume a skinhead national front they're going to find no no skinheads yeah. if you go back in the history right it's they all went back in the 60s they all you know when 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 the jamaicans came over and they started playing in the clubs in london these guys thought, mm, that's really cool music we want to look like them so they shave the head wore the cashmere wore the crumbie and technically wanted to look like Desmond Decker. Right, okay, <laughs> okay. So most people in Birmingham, some mm. people know, some people don't. Mm. Where I'm West Midlands, black country, everybody yeah. in the black country knows that. Right. So when you see a proper full-on skinhead who knows his Trojan music, right. he, that's because, and he's sharply dressed, that's because he's paying homage to... <laughs> okay, wow. Wow, oh my gosh. Um, I just want to, so much I know we're going to talk about, and wow. Um, but I just want to go back to your school days for just a second, um, because you, you are dyslexic. So yes, when, I am. When, did, when was that discovered? Was it discovered um, at school? Or no, it wasn't. You... It wasn't. It was discovered about 15, 10, 10, 12 years ago when I went to university. So how, how did that... How, how did you how did cope that, at did, school uh, then? What, were you um, treated differently or just... No, they just, called, they just called you lazy. Right, okay. And my school reports always said, um, lovely, young, inspiring child, very lazy. Oh my gosh. Reluctant to do anything. Wow. And that was it. And I just thought I was lazy. So you just paid no attention. I was... Visually, I was kind of really good. Right, right. You know? Yeah. But then if you said, Anthony, write it down... Okay, so how did you cope with that then, with them always asking you to write things down? How did you... To, to, to be honest, school was a blast. I loved it. Okay. <laughs> I absolutely loved it. So, and the thing is, you know, it didn't matter. It didn't matter because for me, the thing that mattered was what I did on a Friday and a Saturday night. Right, okay. Which was go down to Northern okay. Seoul. You know, so it didn't really impact upon me. And to be honest... You, if you don't know, then you just... I used to just think I was lazy anyway. I thought I was just a bit laid back and lazy.
Right, okay. <laughs> Only when I went to university and they, I was doing, um, the first assignment was finance and I'm also dyscalculia. Dyscalculia is, in, in other words, no good with figures, money. Right, um, so I, do you see words in the same way as you see figures then or is it two it, completely it, different it's the ways same. of so, looking at it? So the thing with me is that I tend not to carry change because mm -hmm. I lose money. Um, I tend to only use a debit card because I have no relationship. So if I, if you said it's going to cost me three ninety nine, and said how much, if I gave you a tenner, how much, I have no idea. Right, okay. No, and I'd still be here tomorrow trying to work it out. Okay. <laughs> so when I went to uni and they said, you need to go for a test. And so I went for the test because I was working. So work sent me for the full three-hour evaluation. And I remember the guy said, write about something you're passionate about. Ooh, photography. So I wrote four pages on photography. Wow. He, and I said to him, he said at the end, um, they sent back the figures and they said, yeah, you are seriously dyslexic, mate. <laughs> right. But I said, but yeah, but I wrote four pages. He said, no, no. He said, the things you focus on become easy for you because you like it. <laughs> Okay. The things that are challenging, you avoid. <laughs> right, okay, okay. Okay, wow. Um, so tell us a little bit more about your exhibition that I couldn't say the name of at yeah, the start. The, the, well, I can't <laughs> pronounce it either, but I, I, was, I was asked... <coughs> I used to be um, chair of Ward End Camera Club. Um, lovely, lovely, lovely. And it, it all started with... Um, Funny enough, um, that he was one of the library, library managers, Kevin Duffy from Hansworth, who's now sadly passed. And he saw some of my work and listened to me and said, you know an awful lot about photography. And I, I did a six-week course on photography at Warden Library. Um, the 12 participants at the end of the six-week course were still there. <laughs> oh, wow. So we said, let's start a club. So okay. we started a club. And it kind of went, it's still going now, it's a fabulous club. It's fully affiliated to the Camera Association. So you can go and get your work seen by lots and lots of people. So that's kind of where that exhibition came from. There was a guy from um, the Dyslexic Association and they said, oh, um, you're dyslexic. Why don't you, could you create something for us? And... Funny enough, I just finished, because my other favourite thing is I love to walk, and I'd just done a walk of the Roaches in Staffordshire, and it's a little range of mountains about 30 miles from Birmingham. Beautiful place, and I just spent the weekend, funny enough, walking the Roaches and photographing it, and in between photographing it, sitting in a farmer's house inadvertently, <laughs> because we followed a path. And I thought, oh, that's a cafe. So we went in. No, that was the farmer's house. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sorry. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Yes. Fair to say, he looked a bit astonished. But he was very cool. But anyways, and so the, the exhibition paralleled, because it was a journey to the top of a mountain, 
I compared it to being dyslexic. It's a journey to get there. Okay. You don't know where you're going. Yeah. You don't know what you're going to see. How do you deal with stuff? Mm. And so the exhibition was called something nobody could pronounce right. because I knew people were going to try and pronounce it. Yeah, of and, course. And if you're not dyslexic, there's always somebody, you know, and, and I'm not saying everybody, but on the other side that I can pronounce it. Well, go ahead. And nobody could pronounce it. Right. Nobody could read half of the text because it had spelling mistakes in it. And they've said, no, we, we've got to alter it. I went, no, no, look, it's a disability. I'm, I'm, I'm technically disabled. I'm statemented. So I'm, I have a disability. If somebody walked in here in a wheelchair, would you ask them to get out and walk? No, you wouldn't. So it's exactly the same feeling. And so the exhibition went live and it was really good. It was really enjoyable. And it was the, the thing with dyslexics is you'll find that they're, we're, they're visual. We're, we're visual. I'm visual. So what I can't say in words, I can say with a picture. I can, that, that's my thing. And photography is a leveller because you don't need a degree. <laughs> you don't need to be able to spell. You don't even know how to add up. You know, you just be able to look and see something. So if your work's next to somebody else's work, nobody's going to say, how many O-levels have you got? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Right, let's get on to um, your second selection. Um, Sonia Spence, Talk Love. Would you like to tell us why you chose that selection? Yeah, because it's, it kind of works on two levels for me. That, that record, because I, I, I love listening to music when I'm at home and when I'm editing and just when I'm listening. And that record, I love her voice. I love, the, if you listen to the words, it's kind of, she's talking about, you know, let's talk love, let's talk peace let's be happy, let's work things out. And it's done in a really lover's way. And I love the fact that I would play this record to people excitedly and they go, never heard it, <laughs> never heard <laughs> it. But it's always been, yeah. it's one of those that it's, it's on my phone. It's, okay. it's, on, it's, on, it's on all, it's one of those that I play because it has a message. And think about it, that's from the 60s. And it's the same message as we, we're here now, 2020. It's timeless. It's timeless. Yeah. Okay, here we go with Sonia Spence, Talk Love. Let's forget the stealing and the killing and the war. Let's forget the stealing and the killing and the war and talk love. Let's talk love. Come talk love. Let's talk love. Let's forget the hating and the lying and the pride. Take your brother by the hand and walk on by his side and talk love. Come talk love. Let's talk love. Sweet love. Take your brother by the hand and come along with me. Take your sister by the hand and let us all be free and talk love. Now, um, what do you love most about your heritage? Hmm. I don't, it, it's hard to say because I mean, I, I've sat and thought, I, I loved, I love the family. I love listening to my mom because my dad's passed now. So I love listening to, to my mom because she was, she wasn't very well. She's now on her way back. So over the past two years, 
spent lots of time just sitting talking to her and listening to her stories and 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 where she grew up and what she did and what I like from my heritage is the fact that it's kind of given me almost the advantage in the fact that being black because normally when you say the word black and you, you can already see people looking for a disadvantage looking for a negative and I look at it as a positive because people who know me I don't sound like I look <laughs> Do you know? I'm okay. To, well, I'm supposed to have like a deeper voice and, you know, really <laughs> big up. And, 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 and let's be honest, I, it, does, it, don't, it doesn't do it. It doesn't do it at all. So people, first of all, uh, and I'm fascinated and, and I'm almost playful. So if I don't speak, if I came up to you and I never smiled, I could look a bit, just a wee bit, what's he want? And then when you open your mouth, do you know? And then when you start to tell people about, your culture and I think for me it was I remember the food I remember spending time with my granddad's so it would probably be the food and the love of the family that's the bit I remember and okay. my cousin spending time now like 10 of us in a bed and we all you know we all grew up and we, we were all still talking and even when my mom was ill my favourite cousin still comes round you know she's in the 50s it still comes round and we still sit there and we still laugh about stuff because we had we had lots of aunties and uncles so every weekend my parents would be off we would be located I think the word is relocated as opposed to dumped we were relo okay. we were relocated <laughs> to a house right. a family house yeah. and there would be the oldest would be to look the over you know to look out for you okay. and we'd okay. have great times there so that's what I remember my culture I love that's the bit and then when I'd go to my mate's house and you know grandma and my mate would say oh do you want to come around Mac we're having some beef sandwiches okay and I remember just being sat there eating beef sandwiches and crisps thinking this is a bit lifeless this is mate what would you do for fun where's here? the vibes where's the vibes <laughs> does that make sense and yeah. he used to come him and all of my friends used to be at my house on a Sunday oh, okay because my mate would say mom it's more fun at Mac's house wow we, we want to go well, sorry we, 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 we want we want to go around there so what I remember now I'm old and you can sit back and reflect is the, just the warmth of being around a group of people who who came here, you know, and for my mum, because we, we talked about the, the, the wind rush and she came over on a boat and I remember asking her, I said, well, why did you come over? And she said, well, apart from being the, the troublesome one in the family, um, she said I wanted to be a nurse. And she said, this was an opportunity for me to just come. And, and even now I say to her, would you go back home? And she said, no, this is my home. <laughs> Okay, okay. So it never crossed her mind to... She, no. Did she, she ever go on yeah, holiday yeah, yeah, or her, anything like her, that? Her, yeah, her, her, bless her and my dad um, spent... They they saved up when they retired. They went, but they lived in New York for a while. Um, um, they then went to live in Jamaica for a while. Um, my dad was really not well. Um, they then ended up living in Barbados. And I remember my dad saying to me over the phone, I said what do you think dad what do you think he said they don't lock the doors they're not locked no door yes sir and my mum said they don't need to it's a very small place mm -hmm. <laughs> and mm. so they then came back when he was really ill but 
he enjoyed it he loved it but no she said she as far as she's concerned now she's this is where she is her, okay. her grandkids are here yeah Everybody, she wants to be near her family yeah she wants to yeah. be near her family yeah um, so what were the typical foods that you would eat growing up or is there a specific dish that um, holds memories to you like whenever you smell that dish or that you eat that dish it's like you take them back to your childhood or it reminds fun, you of fun, home fun, or... funny enough this might yeah um, um, bacon and eggs that's not what I was expecting <laughs> um, like I said my mom's from Barbados so sometimes it was the luxury of me not cooking that Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so and it was it was um friday night fry up loved it with okay. hard dough bread and and my dad would say like here's a can of long life you know to big yourself up so we okay. loved loved friday nights right. thursday nights were cool because that was kentucky night okay do you, know, do you know monday nights weren't cool at all why what was monday night tribe okay <laughs> just leave it as that i just i just, just leave it like that yeah. Yeah. and and quickly we did have because we all have it you've had it we'd had the the thing where you're gonna outdo your parents and i remember i went in one monday there was the tribe not eating that yes you are no i'm not don't like it tuesday came home from school there's your tribe not eating it don't care don't want it Okay. Wednesday came home by then it was looking a bit crispy and stuck to the plate no nope, still not eating it anyway was that three days hungry belly yes <laughs> yes I, I held out I held out determined I determined <laughs> but what I will tell you is I, I caved in and you I did. ate it on what Friday day did you Friday Friday yes Jesus. and I always remember that and even now my mum reminds me that she was just to remind you who has the power here mm-hmm. and, and her, her thing her and my dad's thing was A you don't have a job B, whatever we cook, you eat. C, be grateful for the fact that you can eat a meal. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. Um, and lastly, before we get into the next song, um, can you remember any cultural stories that you were told growing up? Are there any sayings that you heard growing up that you still say now? Or I, I remember. I remember my dad always used to say, you know, you do something, and he'd always used to say, "Be a man, ride a donkey." And I used to think, really? Now I'm older, I get it. It means, you know, you can still get to where you get to. You don't have to get there fast. Right. That yeah. was his yeah. one saying. Or his other favourite saying was, when you're big enough to be in my underwear. And I thought, really? No, thanks. <laughs> then I cracked. When I grew up, it made sense. You know, right. when I can get in your shoes, I'll be a man. Until then, just keep quiet and listen to what I'm telling you. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, right, we're going to do um, your next selection, which is another Sonia Spence. Why did you leave me? Why this selection? That that kind of that 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 kind of ta- I won't go deep, but that that kind of takes me back. We all had our bits of first love and th- things that you remember, and we all remember our first love. And some people had a great experience. Some people, it was just really miserable. Okay. <laughs> and and for me, it was it was really good. It was okay. re- it was really good because I got t- see as as sometimes as blokes we need to be backed up and taught a few things. Do you know? Okay. And now I'm older. I respect everything that I was taught. <laughs> right. Okay. And I'll leave it at that. Here we go with um, Sonia Spence, Why Did You Leave Me? Why did you ever leave me? Why did you ever, ever go? 
on this but I don't know if there's any else, anything else or any other stories that you want to add to what you've already said as um, growing up as a black man did you what challenges did you face maybe in your later life maybe not school time and earlier on like you said going to the dances and stuff like that have you faced any challenges like once you got into your photography work at university no because any? I mean I mean I, I, I worked for Birmingham City Housing um, I'm, uh, I retired in 2012 but I mean when, when I got the job there it, it was you see for me I know, I know people say yes there is racism out there and there are people that will always want to call you a name there are people that will always want to really get in there but my thing is is that at some point as black people we have to just step over that we really have to step over that and just push it to one side because every time we engage I mean I got up this morning and I'll just mention this, and I saw somebody at, uh, on school about the hair thing. And, you know, it was the fact that, you know, um, the school said, you need to tie your hair up because health and safety. And she's like, no, I need to keep an afro. And I came here this afternoon, and I'm still hearing the story. And I'm thinking, in another culture, they would just step past that, just push it aside. Let's move. Because as black people, we're extremely talented. We're extremely focused. We know what it is we want to do. We can inspire people to do things. If we keep looking back and not forward, we're never somehow going to get past that. Do you know? And, and I feel passionately, you know, I'm a black man in a white society. I am. And, I, and my colour isn't going to change. The way I feel isn't going to change. But what I can do is I can kick open doors and say look here I am I'm a black man this is what I do this is how I do what I do do you know so you what you guys need to do is move away and let us get on with what to do because sometimes like, it almost muddies the waters because we think we're held back by a system whereas my dad always taught me that know the system you're in because <laughs> if you know the system you're in just like anywhere else, you can find all the keys, you can find all the locks. And my thing is always go forward. Because you have to remember, after me and you, there's a whole generation behind us. And I have this thought, and, and you know, somebody you know, will probably write, no, that's wrong. But another 30 years from now, it won't even be about colour. It will be about groups of people. It will be about divergence. It will be about which which social media page are you on it's already happening do you know where there are groups of people doesn't matter what the color are and for some reason we define ourselves by the groups we are in <laughs> and and it's almost like the system wants you to have a group because remember the second thing somebody will ask you is what do you do <laughs> Yeah, you're, you're completely right. And they're making a judgment. As soon as you've said whatever you do, they've made a judgment on you because yeah. they want to tick the box like, what's your age? What do you do? do you, what do you drive? Like all the, yeah. Yeah, I so, categorize so, you. Yeah, so yeah. in my life, yeah. I've never answered the question on the form that says your heritage, other. Religion, other. 
You're not, I'm not telling you. There's no reason why you should know that. Do you know? There isn't any reason. But you have to remember, as a system, it has to put you somewhere. So if you turn up, and people have said to me, you know, I've met lots of people, and they go, oh, and what, what, what do you do? And I go, watch TV. <laughs> because you can almost see them uncalculating yeah. where, t- you know, because if people don't know where to put you, then there can't be a judgment. And if you, can you imagine if we never asked that question, then would colour be an issue? No. I mean, the posh word now is diversity. And diversity doesn't actually mean anything. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything at all, does it? It doesn't mean anything at all. Do you know? I've, like I said, for the last 30 years, I've photographed all over Birmingham. Do you know? And I've photographed where a camera can get you in and you can see inequality you can hear i mean i've just had an experience quickly and i won't mention it the place but it's so so got me and i've just finished an exhibition i dropped the exhibition off they said oh we're going to curate it wonderful what are we going to put it on oh they're really nice put together boards was that a blue you know and it looked like somebody just hammered some stuff together when i went back to look at the exhibition it was terrible it was absolutely shocking. Couldn't say anything. Went to pick my exhibition back up. I said, oh, do you have a trolley? Oh, no, we've not got one of them. Okay. Um, and where is it? It's in the corner, piled up. In the room I was in, oh, there were all intellectuals, should we want of a better word. Not one of them said anything. <laughs> The telling thing here is the fact that nobody actually wanted to say anything to me, but they all knew by looking at me that he looks a bit upset here. And yes, I do look a bit upset because what you've done is you've disrespected me. You've disrespected my collar. And I know it's my collar because there's nobody else in that room of that collar. (laughs) And it's almost like we don't really know how to talk, so we just keep our heads down. And do you know... They left me to carry my whole exhibition out on my own. So say... What did I do? Quickly? Go on. Well, there's... Right about now, there's a letter going off to the CEO. And, and it's not hostile. It just points out a few discrepancies in their mission statement, in where they want to be, and in the fact that I, as an artist, turned up and I... One of the few times, because I know you've asked me, that I felt, that's my collar. Mm-hmm. It's not me. That's my collar. Mm. That's really my collar. <laughs> okay. So in saying what you just said, that story, do you think it's realistic saying that in 30 years people won't recognise colour. Do you think that yeah. it's that ingrained? You know, the same way as we said, the questions about <laughs> um, asking what you're, you know, what you do for a living. Do you think it's that ingrained in people's psyche that, well, that colour equals to this and that colour equals to that and that man no, equals I, to this and woman equals to that. They're, they're so ingrained in their psyche that it's subconscious and they no, don't even no, realise. No, no, you I don't, don't think I, that will be no, there no, no, I do, in 30 years? No, I, I don't. I, I have a 15-year-old and we talk every now and again when she's, because they're 15, bless her. So we do have a conversation. And nowhere in her conversation, I've listened to her and her friends, is it mentioned? What's mentioned is 
the latest pop star, the latest thing on social media, which group are you in? Have you seen this group? Have you done that? And I'd be, well, why are you wearing that? Oh, because everybody else in the group is wearing that. And it's almost like a paradox theory, the fact that it, the segregation is going to be, because it, it kind of already is on social media. It's kind of the trolls have a go at the, the goodies, the goodies have a go back. So people are already, it's almost a divide and conquer. And, I, and I, you know, I might not be alive to see, but I feel sure the next battle is going to be around your group and what you believe and what you do. That's what I believe. And colour, although important in some aspect, is not going to be... Because remember, social media, all of social media isn't relevant. Social media isn't about your colour. It's about what you put online. <laughs> so people react to what's put online rather than who you are. <laughs> Okay, um, we're going to move on to your next selection, which is Leroy Smart, Ballistic Affair. Can you tell us why you chose this selection? It's just a beautiful record. And again, it's one of those that it has a soft, lovely vibe with a powerful message. Do you know? Because as he said, you know, there's going to be a ballistic affair. And what he's talking about is what's going to happen. Do you know, is there's going to be an uprising. And it's done in a way that... I suppose if it was a hip-hop record, they'd have just banned it. <laughs> they'd have just said, no, we're not, we're not having that at all. But the good thing is, with our culture, is some people don't understand stuff. <laughs> yeah, so, so if it's definitely. not understanding, it just sounds good. But no, it's just a very, again, it's one of those powerful, powerful songs that if you sit and just listen to it and you think, wow, either this guy knew what was going to happen in 2020 or he's for or nothing has changed. Right, okay. <laughs> Here we go with Leroy Smart, Ballistic Affair. Ballistic Affair Ballistic Affair He used to lick chalice, cook idols too together Play football and cricket as one brother not to you rest a jungle And you might block a rima You are gonna fight against your brother That no right, my sister Let us all live as one, yeah Show where your gun, show where your knife inspirational mantras that you say you know you wake up on a, a day when you feel like, oh I don't want to do this is there anything any um, processes any words that you might say to yourself to inspire yourself to motivate yourself that you can share with our listeners so if they're having a bit of trouble you know motivating themselves I, I, I have this thing that says if you get up in the morning and you can get up and you can look out the window and you can smile it's going to be a good day I like that. I like that. I like that. Right, we're going to move on to your next selection, which is Yaz Alexander, More Love. Do you want to tell us a bit about why you chose this yeah, song? Yeah, th that one, that one is, that one is, out of all of the seven, that one is the one that really 
because if if when you look and you look at the album cover that was my first album cover and so when i listened to that particular record i remember being in a studio and we were photographing for her record cover and that was one of the records she was singing and it's always you know and then when the album cover came out and i, I you know she because when we did the photo shoot we you know we'd finished it and we looked at the pictures and thought mm, really is that it the whole night that, that all we could do <laughs> but then all of a sudden you then look you then walk away and come back and think yeah i got it okay and that was an album cover right there and so that record associates with being in that place okay. <laughs> and, and, and sipping drinks and dr eating off her food and <laughs> having the, you're going to do this. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, no, I'm going to do it. And, and, and wow. so that's that record. Okay. Here we go with Yaz Alexander, More Love. Ooh, many times I think of you And though it's not enough Though it's not enough I keep hesitating back into your photography in just a minute but in talking to you just before we started the interview you let me know that you also do poetry um so i was wondering if you could give us a little bit of one of your i, I can poems. I, I can but I, I should warn the listeners this is not something i do normally and, I, and i'll explain i i spent 2012 for some reason every day i got up i technically wrote a poem every day for a year wow <laughs> and i challenged myself and my boundaries were um don't stop don't worry about the grammar and just say what you're going to say and write it down and keep it as it is because you know what it is and other people will always want to tinker and say comma there why should i put a comma there because it's grammar and why is it grammar <laughs> do you know so so i kind of challenged myself when i did the exhibition called ebenezer um i had all of this poetry and because ebenezer was about an uprising of it's almost like in the in the formidable years we'd forgotten how beautiful and how powerful and how intelligent our black women are and sometimes as a black man you know it, it might be a bit scary to suddenly find that the person you're next to has got a master's and you know and you know i mean i look after them you know i'm gonna go and do my thing <laughs> yeah. do you know do you know and so all of this poetry that was buried i kind of bought back up again and this one um um was written 
I think it's the 1st of August um, 2012. Okay. <laughs> and it's called um, Nubian Queen. And it's called, uh, I'll, just re I'll just go through it. Um, I walked with my Nubian Queen and my culture talked to me. The beauty, the stillness, the quietness of place brought the beautifulness to my attention. I walked with my Nubian Queen and we reached the top of the world. There I saw the real beauty surrounding myself. In all her splendour, the proudness of my Nubian queen comes to life. I walked with my Nubian queen and felt close and warm, her hands gentle and sweet. And the tighter I held her hand, the more culture I felt. I walked with my Nubian queen and felt the power of her love and knew the power of my love, and know that us should love us. My Nubian queen, the most beautiful of beautiful, the most rare of the rarest, the culture of love can only be explained by this beautiful Nubian queen. Say the word out loud, and this Nubian queen will give you knowledge and culture. What a beautiful poem. What a beautiful poem. Thank you for sharing that with us. No, thank you. Well, I, like I said, that, that, thank you because you've got me to read it out. I don't, I don't read it out, but that was one take. So that came into my head and that's as it, it's not been altered. So that is as it is. Wow. 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 Um, do you want to talk about one of your other exhibitions um, that was in celebration of Jamaica's 50 years of independence? Um, called Blood, Sweat and Tears, which featured reggae icons. As there are so many reggae icons, um, how did you go about choosing them and who did you choose? <laughs> in, in the exhibition, um, it, it was all... Because the exhibition ran at Hansworth Library for quite a while. And the whole idea was is that in the world of pop music, if I said to you, Kylie Minogue you would instantly have an image in your head, wouldn't you? If I say, now, so if I say to you, Vivian Sugarlove Jones, you'd have to think about it, wouldn't you? Mm -hmm. And my thought was, we don't know our own stars. Sometimes. We, we know their music, but we don't know them. So I spent, I was on a mission. And like I said, I had really good, I've got some really cool friends, I mean, at C Division, and and they and and Danny, his name's Danny, Danny Miller, lovely man. And he saw what I was doing and he said, um, Anthony, the mighty diamonds are, you know, at the, at the drum. Do you do you want to come and photograph them? Yes please, yes please, yes please. You can have the photos. <laughs> um Yaz Alexander, who the reason I'm here talking to you is because that lady saw me with a little film camera and said, Oh, I like the pictures, follow me. And so everywhere she went, I went. <laughs> and so so I remember um, we, we went in and I sat there and it was Sylvia Teller. And I was like, and so my mission was to record and photograph as many of these black icons as I could. And with the Mighty Diamonds, um, the idea was, you always see them as a three. Um, would you recognise them as a one? No, apparently. 
Mm. Does that make? Mm. So the yeah. idea was to put yeah. the stars and the music we love to put it on a wall. And what I did was I didn't put any names under anything. I just called it Blood, Sweat and Tears. And oh. my favourite photograph out of that collection was Ken Booth. Um, I remember he did Simmer Down. And I was like a three-year-old with a box of chocolate. <laughs> I, I, you know, they were, they were there going, you're not, you don't have access for this area. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. And, and I went and spoke to him. What a lovely man. What a beautiful voice. Mm, Why definitely. don't we have pictures of these? Why don't we have pictures mm. of our own? And it goes back to your original. We don't, we don't have enough visual references. Mm. Van Lee has gone out there and provided those references. Um, more of us as photographers, yeah, and black photographers need to go and record the things and ask the people around us. Most definitely, most definitely. Um, very happy that you're, you know, helping to document them. Um, I'm going to move on to your next selection, though, which is Shelley Lightning, Onwards and Upwards. Yeah, um, like I said, um, Shelley Lightning... Um, we, we we met because my other as, as um daniel said at the start i'm chair of north smethic development trust which is the brass house in smethic which is um, a, um it's five years old we had a million pound refurb um, um you should come down we, we we do all sorts of interesting things off the thing we do we care for most is we do we're, we're a fair share depot so if you're around anywhere in smethic on a wednesday doesn't matter where you are what you do you can come and get a community meal you might be sat next to somebody with mental health you might be sat next to somebody that's unemployed we don't care come down so and that's smethic in birmingham and that, that's smethic smethic in west brom oh, west brom west sorry brom. so i know you birmingham everything's birmingham yeah, yeah everything's, there, birmingham. <laughs> everything's, everything's birmingham but it's not but yeah but so so no so so and what i do down there um, is i curate the exhibitions and the, the, the idea quickly is that we thought that there are lots of talented artists who, let's be honest, they're never going to get through the doors of the icon. You may well have to be dead before you turn up in this building here. So the idea was, was we created a path where they come, fill out all and the submission forms and exhibit. Shelley, I saw her work and I was absolutely enamoured with it. It's beautiful and normally for us people sometimes our work defines us whereas her work just defines everything and that's unusual in, a, in an artist you know in a black artist that, that her work is so so interesting and she also was a finalist in sky arts um 2019 <laughs> So we then got to exhibit her work, and in exhibiting her work, I then got to hear, her, I didn't know she did music, I just thought she was a DJ. I then got to hear her music, and that record is the one that kind of, if I play that, I'm kind of, I'm in my car, and it, it, it's like a little motivational thing, because you hear it, and it's, you know, and it's nice to hear us, and when I mean us, I mean us, colour, us of colour, putting out a positive message putting out something that you know when you walk away and you kind of just grin to yourself and think yeah that's cool man that's really cool so yeah so that's why it's there absolutely here we go with Shelley Lightning onwards and upwards onwards 
backwards and upwards, yeah. Forward and never looking backwards. Onwards and upwards. Forward and never looking back. There is a stillness in my motion. Can never check the depths of the ocean. Never know a man's heart. Meditation. Spiritual levels are his intention. So it's onwards and upwards. Right, we are coming to the end of this interview. Unfortunately, I think we could talk all day. We could. And there's could. enough questions <laughs> that I haven't even got a chance to ask you. So hopefully I can get you back at some point. Because oh, yes. Oh, yes. Definitely. <laughs> definitely. Um, so no. I'm going to ask that one final question, um, which I ask everybody. What legacy would you like to leave behind? Mm. it'll probably be my work and also the fact that being black should not stop you from anything at all you want to do in this life do you know do not use this as a barrier it is not an excuse anything you you want and feel you need to do in your life you can do you can genuinely go out and do because the bottom line is people embrace people. Most definitely. Um, and we're going to finish off with your final track, um, Susan Cadogan, and Cause You Love My Baby. Yeah, yeah, lovely. And I'll tell you why that's there, because that Hurt So Good is my record, but that one kind of is too. And... I got the chance to photograph her last year. Oh, wow. I mean, the pictures, I haven't let any of the pictures out yet, but I just got the chance to photograph her. And there are few artists that sound as good on record, and you'll know, live. And that lady, live, you need to go and see her. That's all I say, you know. And and <laughs> that re that record, she sung that record, and it absolutely blew me away. And I was privileged to get the chance to photograph her. <laughs> okay. Um, well, thank you so much for being my guest today. No, thank you. Absolutely, thank you. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. I'm very shy and I don't really speak a lot, so it's nice to get out. <coughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, gosh. Well, thank you so much, like I said, and hopefully we will have you back um, very, very soon. Um, and thank you for reasoning with me and sharing your insight and so many things and our culture and Great. just sharing no, in thank general you. It's what it's all about. It so. is, it is. Thank you. Much, much respect. Thank you. Loved it. Absolutely. Thank you. Great. So we're going to um, leave you with the sounds of Susan Cadogan, because you love my baby. Until next Wednesday, as always, blessed. <laughs>